You are listening to the Mile Straight Podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraightbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. Amen. You may be seated and you can open your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel, an Old Testament book, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to look at just a few verses there this morning. It is good to see everybody here today. This is a wonderful Memorial Day weekend that God has given us. A little bit warm a week ago, and then God has just cooled it off just enough to make this day a very pleasant day. And so I trust that you and your loved ones and your family and friends will have a wonderful day today and also tomorrow as this is a holiday. Aren't you glad that we uh, have those who have given their lives to protect the freedoms we enjoy? Never, never uh, take for granted the freedoms that you have. I was talking this week in a video conference with some of our missionaries in South America, and their country is facing uh, elections just a week from now, and they're some of the most um, challenging elections they've had in a long time. And so uh, they are praying for protection on their country and where they are serving and ministering. So let's be thankful for those who have given their lives. But above all, we thank the Lord. We thank God that he gave his only begotten son. We thank Jesus that he gave his life so that you and I could have true spiritual freedom. And that is the greatest of all the freedoms that we can have. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ for that spiritual freedom, you can be saved today. And you can have Jesus be the Lord of your life. It is good to see all of you here today. I'm particularly glad to see Dr. David Bowler and his wife Sue that are with us today. Very, very good friends. And uh, although Brother Bowler is no longer actively pastoring, he is still actively ministering. And he still preaches and shares God's Word and is serving the Lord. And uh, for those of you who know that I'm involved with Global Faith Mission Agency, uh, 17 years ago, Brother Bowler was a very uh, key component of what took place as we started Global Faith Mission Agency. And he was one of the very first pastors to get on board with this and encouraged it and facilitated this. And so I'm so grateful for Brother Bowler for what you've done for missions. And he continues to serve the Lord. It's good to see him today. 1 Samuel chapter 30, we have a wonderful story of how you and I can take some principles here from God's Word and use them so that when we find ourselves in a discouraging time or a time of distress, we can get out of that and get to a place in our lives where we feel like we're on the victory side of things again. I don't think too many people enjoy being in a state of defeat or a state of distress or a state of discouragement. We all want to be on the victorious side of things. And yet, at the same time, there are things that will happen in our lives where we find ourselves sometimes in discouraging situations or in times of distress. The Bible gives us a neat formula this morning on how we can transition from the time of distress to the time of victory again in our lives. The story is about David, and this is taking place in some of the last climatic passages of 1 Samuel. Then we go to 2 Samuel, and a lot is going on right now not only in David's life, but in all the nation of Israel. A lot is happening at the same time. Let's look at six verses. Verse 1 through verse 6, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. 
They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one but carried them off to be slaves and, and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices, and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. Have you ever been there in your life? I've got that one passage highlighted in my Bible. They raised their voices, and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. I've been there. And if you haven't ever been there in your life, you just haven't lived long enough, you just hang on, you'll get to that place where it seems like there's no answer, and you've wept until there's no more tears. You don't even have the strength left to weep. But look at verse 5 and 6. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. I've underlined and highlighted all of verse 6 in my Bible. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You know, you, you've got to read the passages before and the passages after to know what's going on. That's what we call in Bible study the context. It, it really brings to light everything that's happening. David is fled from King Saul. And in the process of fleeing, 600 choice Hebrew soldiers join him because of their also being disenchanted with what was going on in the kingdom at the time. And, and so he ultimately has 600 warriors that unite with him. And they fled from King Saul, and they go over to the Philistine side, the enemy side of things, and he becomes friend, David becomes friend with a king named Achish. And he becomes good friends with him, and King Achish thinks that David is on his side all the way, that he has changed sides now in this allegiance to their nationality and in their patriotism. And uh, David has him fooled to a degree because he and his men will go out in raids and they just do not let King Achish know about the damage and destruction that has taken place in their raids in the same Philistine area of the world, the area of the Philistines. They become such good friends that King Achish gives David and his men an entire town and said, this is yours. You, you inhabit, you populate this place, it's yours, you can have it, and it's called Ziklag. So that was their home base. They lived there, but David and his men would go out on these raids, these uh, uh, expeditions they would carry out. He was also faithful to King Achish, and uh, in many ways, in today's world, he would be considered a mercenary soldier, maybe, because he was there, and Achish thinks he's there to defend him. And we find then that they come to this place that while they have been out on one particular raid, their town, Ziklag, has been raided, and all their families have been taken. Of David and these 600 men, their families, they're all gone. They've been taken as slaves, and it was not going to be a pretty picture. What would happen to their wives and to their children would not be a pretty picture at all. This brings about such distress in their life that they weep until they have no more strength to weep. We're not talking about weaklings. We're talking about the bravest of the brave. 
We're talking about what you would call in today's world, that is a man's man. These were not weaklings. And yet, at this particular moment in their life, they are reduced emotionally to be in a state of deep, deep distress. But they don't stay there. They're able to come out of that and get on the victory side of things again. Again, if you've never been in a state of deep distress in your life, you just haven't lived long enough. You just hang in there, and at some point, something will happen in your life, and many times in your life, you will experience distress that leaves you so deeply wounded, so emotionally upset that you weep, and you weep until there are no more tears, and yet you feel like you're not through expressing your hurt, and that's what happens. I want us to look at a couple of things this morning that will help us. And first of all, I want us to look at the source of David's distress. Why did he fall in, find himself in this place? Well, first of all, we find that circumstances intervened in his case. And here were the circumstances around him. Uh, David had gotten to the place where Saul absolutely hated David. Now, it didn't start out that way. Their relationship didn't start that way. There was a time in Saul's life when he was already departing from God's plan for him, and he was disobeying some of God's explicit commands. There was a point in Saul's life when he decides to take upon himself a duty that was given strictly to the priest, but he decides to do that himself, and God punishes him for that. And from there on, we find Saul, the first king of Israel, in a steady state of decline, not only in his power as a king, but also in his spiritual life and his spiritual being. And Saul would have these fits of depression that were caused by an evil spirit. And so the remedy for that was they would find somebody that could function, today we would call them maybe a therapist, but could help Saul get out of this state of depression. And they would find this young man that was an accomplished uh, musician. He could play the harp like nobody else. He probably could sing too because as we Think of this young lad who was David when he was a shepherd. He was out there in the fields maybe practicing on the harp and learning, and he sings and he composes. In fact, he becomes quite the composer. There's a book called in the Bible, the book of Psalms, and David had a big part in either composing psalms or gathering some of those psalms, which are very important to the Hebrew people and to the Hebrew Christian today. And so David comes and he plays the harp for David and it would uh, for King Saul and it would bring him out of that fit of depression that he was in. It would happen again. David would come over and play again and he'd bring him out. David didn't do anything to hurt Saul. And then there was a day when there was a giant of a man that was defying the Hebrew army and God also. And that man's name was Goliath. And the Hebrew army did not have an answer. Nobody would respond to Goliath's challenge. If you want to know something physically about Saul, we don't know a lot, but the Bible says that when he was chosen to be king, from the shoulders above, he was taller than anybody. He, he was not a small man. He was a big man. He was a strong man. And yet, even King Saul, who is known for his physical stature, his physical presence, and his strength, even he was not bold enough to respond to the challenge of the ungodly giant Goliath. David comes along one day, and he didn't stay with the army. He was a shepherd boy. He, he stayed back home. And, but one day, his father calls him and says, you need to take some things to your brother. And he had three older brothers in the Hebrew army. So he takes these things to his brother, 
And while he is there delivering those things, fulfilling his duty, he hears the challenge of the giant. And David sees that there's no reaction and no response. And he just can't stand it. And he says, I'll answer. His own brothers chide him and, and they say, you, you're not able to do this. He said, I'm going to answer this giant. Saul offered his armor. He didn't offer to go with him. He didn't offer an escort. He said, oh, you want to go? Uh, here, take my armor. Put it on. David puts it on, and it didn't feel right. It didn't fit right. It wasn't made for him. And he said, I can't handle this. I'm going to still tackle the giant. He takes the armor off, and he picks up one thing, a sling and some stones. That's it. And he goes out there, and he conquers that day. He defeats that giant. And the Bible says he takes the sword of the giant because he didn't even have one. He takes the giant sword, and he cuts off his head, and a great victory was given that day. The Hebrew army sees this. The Philistine army, they go into a state of panic. Their giant, their champion is dead. And a big battle took place, and Israel was victorious. And something happened. As the army comes back for that victory parade back to their people, the young ladies begin to sing a song, Saul has killed his thousands. Oh, it was the next verse that King Saul didn't like. He said, and David has killed his ten thousands. And that didn't sit well with Saul. And he grew to dislike this young man who had done nothing wrong to him, had never damaged him, never hurt him. He had tried his best to help. He helped when Saul was in depression with his music, and he helps defeat the giant, conquer the enemy, and yet Saul becomes so jealous that he seeks now to kill David. Let me tell you something. In the emotions that we have as human beings, and God has made us emotional beings, but one of the most damaging emotions that we'll have out there is the emotion of jealousy. When we are jealous of what others have, if we do not control that, jealous behavior can become destructive behavior. And it's not positive. And Saul becomes so jealous of the fame and the popularity and the adoration from the crowds for David that he now hates David. And Saul tries to kill him on repeated occasion. Circumstances in our life will come into play that we cannot control. And David could not control what Saul was doing. David had no control over Saul's emotions and Saul's decisions. So one of the things that will bring despair and distress into our life are circumstances.